David's life was ending and Shlomo's reign began. Shlomo is told to be strong and become a man. Shlomo should rule with the justice he discerns. If he walks in Hashem's ways, he'll succeed in wherever he turns. Okay, so <clears throat> this week's Parsha is Parshat Vayechi, and the Aftorah is found in Malachim Aleph. Um, so in the Parsha of Parshat Vayechi, we see that it's the end of Yaakov's life, and he blesses Yosef and all the other brothers and gives them blessings, gives them criticism, tells them sort of a character assessment. And similarly, um, we see David Amalek, King David, he instructs his son Shlomo, his 12-year-old son Shlomo, on uh, becoming the next king of Israel. So the Haftorah begins, Vayakruvu Yame David Lamut, which means David's days drew near to die. And in pretty much an exact parallel, um, we see the exact same lush and the exact same words uh, in the Parsha, in Parsha Bayachi, where it says that, um, that, that Israel's days, namely Yaakov, that, that Israel's days drew near to die. So just like Yaakov died in Parshat Bayachi, and his days drew near to die. Similarly, Yosef. Uh, similarly, um, David Hamelach also drew near to die, and similarly, uh, both of them gave instructions to their children. Um, in case of in the case of Yaakov, he gave instructions to all of his children. In the case of um, King David, he only gave instructions to his son Shlomo, who would become the next ruler. So the Aftorah continues by saying. Uh, David Amalek, he instructed Shlomo, saying, I'm going the way of Kol Haaretz. I'm going the way of all of the earth. Um, so a few different interpretations of what this means. One interpretation is the average lifespan that Gemara talks about of a human being is 70 years. So when he says, I'm going the way of Kol Haaretz, this means that he's, he's dying at the age of 70, just like any normal sort of average person dies at the age of 70, the Gemara says, so, uh, so, so King David, he is also dying at that age of, of age 70. Um, one interesting interpretation of this is, um, when he, um, was with Bathsheba, which might've seen, seemed like a sin at the time, at the time, because Bathsheba potentially was married to another man. Um, and so there's, it, it there's a general sort of, uh, concept that if you sin in the first half of your life, your Yetzir Hara took you over, and you have sort of more control over your Yetzir Hara in the second half of life. So he was telling um, he was telling his son Shlomo that because I'm dying at 70 years old, I didn't die. Um, you know, I, I, I basically did the, I, I, I was with Batsheva in the second part of my life, meaning I wasn't controlled by the Yetzir Hara, Meaning that it wasn't a sin. I did it. Um, I did it with permission. It wasn't. It wasn't a sin. Another way to interpret this is I died. Kolha, you know, the ways of the of all the earth, is similarly about the sin, but the potential sin with Bacheva is to say that if someone does a sin, the Gemara talks about how oftentimes they're sort of miraculously killed with the way that they should have been killed by Beitin, um, had they been tried by Beitin. So the fact that he's going to die a natural death 
is proof that he didn't die um, or he, he wasn't punished for the sin um, that he did with or for the potential sin that he did with Bacheva, indicating that really it wasn't a sin at all. Um, and then he tells his son Shlomo, Be strong and become a man. Similarly, this, this Lushan of be strong, we see be strong quite often with, um, at the end of the Torah when Moshe tells the next leader, Yehoshua, to be strong. Um, and we see similarly, King David, he told his son, Shlomo, uh, to be strong. And uh, another, an interesting interpretation, what does this mean to be a man? So on one hand, as I mentioned, Shlomo was only 12 years old at the time. He wasn't even at the age of bar mitzvah. So when it says become a man, it's talking about basically um, grow up to the age of 13 to become a, you know, a bar mitzvah and to be obligated in the mitzvot. Because at the time he was only a 12-year-old sort of boy king. He wasn't even a, a real adult king at the time. And he's saying grow up, grow up to become a man. One interesting interpretation of what it means to be a man, um, the commentaries talk about, is that it means that you should be willing to ask for advice from others. That how to become a real man is to be willing to listen to advice um, of of others and uh, and be receptive of the advice from others. That uh, sometimes a boy is someone that doesn't have perspective, that doesn't have maturity to ask for advice. Someone that's more mature knows when they need to turn to other people to, to ask for, for proper direction. Um, and um, so moving on, uh, so it says that they, that, so, so uh, King David tells his son Shlomo to safeguard the charge of Hashem your God, to walk in his ways, to observe his decrees, his commands, his ordinances, testimony that's written in the Torah of Moshe, so that you'll succeed in whatever you do and wherever you turn, so that Hashem will uphold his word that he spoke, saying, if your children will watch their way to walk before me be'emet in truth with all their heart and soul, then no man will ever be cut off from upon the kisei Yisrael, the throne of Israel, and that the dynasty will remain intact. So this is um, all this is basically to say that, and, and again, we see kind of similar language with Moshe telling Yoshua, uh in the you know the the next stage of leadership, um, that he should, you know, walk in the ways of the Torah to follow the mitzvot, um, and you know to follow what's written in the Torah of Moshe, and that if Shlomo Hamelech does all those things, then he'll succeed in whichever way he turns. So, you might think that the king of all of Israel, Shlomo Hamelech, might be above the law, might be someone that doesn't actually have to follow the law. Nonetheless, we see. That if he follows the law, he'll be successful. And in fact, Shlomo, none other than Shlomo HaMelech, we see this sort of the disaster that can come if you don't follow the law. Shlomo HaMelech famously violated the laws about not having too many wives, not having too many horses, not having too much money. He felt like he was sort of above the law in that respect. And um, he ended up having too many horses, having too many wives, having too much money. And those things often, those things resulted in him basically, uh, and not just him, but the entire empire, the entire kingdom of David 
um, really faltering because he ultimately, Shlomo Melech, did not follow his father's advice in listening to the Torah. Um, so the other promise that's given is that if if this king, if if the kings follow in the ways of the Torah, then um, they won't be cut off from the dynasty, that the dynasty of David will remain intact. Um, and proof of that, the commentaries write about, is King Menashe. That Menashe, he was a very wicked person. However, he did teshuva at the end of his life, and he was ultimately brought back. So um, even if you're, if you're, you know, a, a line from, if you descend from King David, um, and you seem like you seemingly falter, uh, just like King Menashe did, you can do teshuva and and come back. Um, but basically, at the end of the day. All of this is written because if Shlomo Amalek follows the Torah in the way that he should, things will be successful. But if he doesn't, then he won't be successful. Um, so a valuable lesson uh, that, that, King, that, that King David is telling his son, uh, King Shlomo. Then the Haftorah takes kind of an interesting turn here. Um, so the Haftorah says... Um, you know what Yoav, the son of Tsuria, did to me, um, what he did to the two commanders of Israel, uh, what he did to Ebner, the son of Ner, and what he did to Amasa, the son of Yeter, who he killed, shedding, the bl- shedding their blood in times of peace, in placing the blood of war on his loins and on his shoes and on his feet. Um, so, and then they, so, so basically, um, a little bit of background here, basically this, this man, Yoav, the son of Tsuria, he, um, uh, uh, according to Tanakh, he killed basically these two people, Ebner, and he killed Amasa. Um, even though it was times of, it was peace times, he killed them. And, um, and it might have been interpreted, basically, King David didn't really do anything about it. King David, th- this man killed these two people, and King David didn't really do anything to stop him. And perhaps the rest of society is thinking that these two people, Ebner and Amasa, were somewhat of challengers to King David's throne and were were challenging his authority. So it might have seemed, from the outside at least, that Yoav was was basically kind of doing the dirty work of the king, doing the dirty work of King David in killing these two enemies of King David's dynasty. And, uh, And basically, King David, by not really doing anything, was sort of accepting that, yeah, that that was actually the right thing to do. So he's warning, though, the truth is he it's not the right thing to do. Um, King David tells Shlomo, you should act according to your wisdom and not allow his white hair to go to the grave in peace. So the point being here is that if um, King David and, you know, any king can basically uh, decide to cut off the head of any of its, you know, um, uh, of any of the people under the kingship. So... Perhaps what the you know what King Shlomo could have done is just decide to execute Yoav because of his sins. However, the commentaries explain that execution would serve as an atonement for Yoav, and Yoav um, uh, Yoav basically was cursed that um, Yoav was cursed to have a, a terrible life from King David, and but however, if Yoav was executed then that curse would end up transferring onto Shlomo. So um, in Shlomo's wisdom, why does King David stress that in your wisdom, in King Shlomo's wisdom, he should um, not allow this Yoav to get away with it? 
So the wisdom comes from not simply finding, not simply finding him guilty of, you know, of, uh, of killing these two people, because then they would find some kind of atonement, some kind of kapara for, uh, you know, for, for his sin. So instead, Shlomo found a different crime. What was that different crime? Um, so Yoav was part of the insurrection with Adonia to try to basically get the kingship um, for Adonia, one of the, ki- one of the sons of, of uh, King David, instead of Shlomo being the, the king. So because, um, because Yoav supported Adonia, Shlomo was able to find Yoav guilty of that crime and not the crime of killing those two commanders, um, Ebner and, and Amasa. And because he found them guilty of a different crime, namely the insurrection with Adonia, then Shlomo would not be that, that curse that uh, Yoav would get from being atoned for would not transfer on to Shlomo. However, just as an interesting note, Shlomo ended up, he did end up including the sin of against David in Yoav's, um, in Yoav's basically crime. Um, and therefore, Yoav actually did get partial atonement and therefore Shlomo ended up being cursed. And that was, uh, that's talked about in the Gemaras in, in Sanhedrin that in the end, Shlomo did end up including the sin against David um, in the execution of Yoav, and that acted as a partial atonement, and therefore Yoav's curse transferred onto, onto Shlomo. Um, also, the you know uh, King David warns, don't let his white hair go to the grave in peace. So if he dies a natural death, similarly, his soul will be purified in Gehenna. Basically, um, you know, if a sinner dies just a normal, natural death, your soul is purified in this sort of uh, purgatory period of, of Gehenna for, uh, for, for a year. And therefore, if you spend time in this purification process, your crime is atoned for. However, if you're found guilty of a crime by Bastin, then um, your sins are not purified um, by Gehenna. And therefore, so basically that's what that's what it says. Don't let him go to his grave in peace, because if he went to his grave in peace, um, he would end up getting finding atonement after death in Gehenna. Um, so then uh, we continue with the Haftorah that the children of Barzillai, um, the Gilat, the the Giladi, uh, act with kindness towards him and um, invite him to your table, uh, because he. Um, he, he befriended me when I fled your brother, um, namely, you know, uh, Shlomo's brother, Avshalom. So when Avshalom attacked and tried to take over, um, uh, this Barzillai, the Gilead, the, 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 the Giladi, he, um, he protected them. He befriended King David. So when Avshalom rebelled, Barzillai ignored the risk to himself and he fed David. So in turn, David felt such a sense of gratitude, such a sense of a korasatov towards this man, Barzillai, that David invited him into his table to, and, and, and he's telling um, Shlomo that, that you should continue this trend of basically he's forever indebted to Barzillai. So because Barzillai helped King David, even after David's death, um, King Shlomo should continue to be kind to Barzillai as a sense of uh, to, to to show his Akhurastov. Um 
So what's interesting here is, you know, it makes sense that King David, the great King David, would uh, go over and above to tell his son all the acts of Akorasatov, all the acts of goodness and, and, and good things that people did for him and how he should continue to be gracious. But we see throughout this Haftorah with Yoav and later with uh, Shimi that uh, really King David was pretty vengeful. So how do you explain this sort of this vengeful streak of the Haftorah? One thing I heard is both Shimi and Yoav were both sort of, both seemed like they got away something, got away with something that seems like they're almost above the law, that they don't have to follow the normal Torah. They don't have to follow the normal laws of the land. So he's saying in this last will and testament that, uh, no, that's not the case, that Shimi and Yoav, uh, they're not above the law and that King, and, and that the new king, King Shlomo, should lead with that in mind, that nobody's above the law, nobody's better of, than the law, you know, just because of their high position, because of their high rank. And just because Yoav and Shimi are so highly, you know, sort of, uh, they have such a high position in society, nonetheless, their sins should be um, atoned for, and it should, you know, they should be punished for them. So um, the Aftar continues, Imcha Shimi, um, Shimi who is with you. And the Abarbanel comments, Something interesting, why does it say Shimi who is with you, Imcha Shimi? Because, um, because uh, the Barbanel says that Shimi was, Shimi was a, a very, very wise, very big Talmud Chacham, and Shimi was the, the tutor of, uh, of, of King Shlomo. So Shlomo, again, was only at you know, 12 years old. He was still in school. So Shimi was uh, perhaps, according to the Barbanel, the um the the tutor the teacher of uh of uh of King Shlomo, so they had a very close relationship. Nonetheless, as we'll see, King David says that Shimi should be punished. So um, uh, so Shimi he cursed King David when King David went to Machanaim, and um, however, then when he met him again at the Yardane, um. King David swore to him that I won't put you to death by the sword. Um, however, King David tells King Shlomo, don't hold him guiltless. You are wise and you'll know what to do with him and you should bring his white hair to the grave in blood. Um, so as I said, Shimi was perhaps Shlomo's teacher. And even though David swore, swore not to harm him, um, that that uh, that oath not to harm him did not extend, did not apply to Shlomo. So Shlomo was able to uh, to, to exact retribution against Shimi. So even though King David couldn't, because King David swore he wouldn't hurt him, uh, Shlomo, you know, isn't under that same rule. So Shlomo could exact revenge against Shimi. And, um, and basically, so if Shimi does something that's worthy of the death penalty, um, he, you know, uh, Shlomo should kill him. And uh, even if it means entrapping him, so something like that, just you know, something just like that happened. Basically, Shlomo made this rule that if Shimi leaves the city, then then Shimi would be killed. And he ended up leaving the city. Shimi leaves Jerusalem um, in order to find two of his servants that had fled. And because he left Jerusalem, ultimately King um, Shlomo killed him for it. However, it's interesting to note the commentaries say as long as Shimi is alive. Um, as I said, Shimi was Shlomo's teacher. So as long as Shimi is alive, Shlomo did not spiritually ship, uh, slip. Shlomo kept his upright status.
However, once Shimi was killed for leaving the city, um, Shlomo, King Shlomo, immediately descended um, with by marrying Paro's daughter. So once Shimi married, once Shlomo, once once uh, Shimi was killed by Shlomo, then um, Shlomo was sort of you know had had nobody to hold him back, and he did some. He eventually started sliding, um, and and slipping spiritually. And the first indication of that was when he married Paro's daughter. And by marrying Paro's daughter, uh, as I mentioned, he ended up having too many wives, too many horses, too much money, all things that the Torah warns that a king shouldn't have. And as a result, um, he ended up basically sliding into, uh, you know, and, and the entire nation really slipped spiritually because of his corrupt leadership. Um, so we see that when Shimi is alive, in a way, Shimi is keeping Shlomo on the, on the up, up and up. But once um, Shlomo is killed, once Shimi is killed, once, you know, Shlomo finds a reason to kill Shimi, then uh, Shlomo immediately marries Paro's daughter and everything is sort of downhill from there. Uh, the Haftorah concludes by saying, David lay with his forefathers and was buried in the city of David. And David reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned for seven years. In Yerushalayim, for 33 years. So 33 plus 7 is 40. So total, David reigned for 40 years. And Shlomo sat on the throne of his father, David, and Shlomo's kingship was firmly established. Um, so with that, I'll recap. So as I mentioned, this is Parshat Vayechi, and the Haftorah is found in Malachim Aleph. Um, and Parshat Vayechi, we see that at the end of Yaakov's life, um, he blessed the 12 tribes. He blessed all of his children um, and told them instructions. However, in contrast, King David, he similarly, at the end of his life, he only blesses one of, he only instructs one of his sons. Um, he only instructs Shlomo, the next king of Israel. Um, and he does not, he, he, it seems like he doesn't speak to his other children. Um, so the Aftor begins by, by Akruvu Yame David Lamut, that David's days drew near to die. We see very similar Lashon, for, for um, when Jacob dies, that it says that basically Israel, uh, Israel is another name for Yaakov, that, um, that Israel's days drew near to die. So very similar um, and parallel language, both in the Torah and in the Haftorah. So he instructs, King David instructs Shlomo saying, I'm going the way of Kol Haaretz, all of the earth. Um, so I mentioned that Maybe he says, I'm going the way of all the earth, because you might have thought that the sin that, or the potential sin that he did by having a relationship with a married woman, namely Bacheva, that uh, he would be punished for it. So you might think that he would die an unnatural death um, by like stoning or something like that uh, for his sin of, of being with a married woman. However, we see that I guess what he did was really right. Um, it was not a sin. And from the fact that he dies a normal death of natural causes is proof that he um, that King David was ultimately right in marrying um, in, in in being with uh, with with Bathsheba. Um, another interesting interpretation is he died at the age of seventy. He died kol haaretz, basically the normal age to die is seventy. The normal lifespan is seventy. Therefore, um, the sin, the potential sin that he did with Bathsheba was already in the second half of his life. And it says, the commentaries say, in the first half of your life, you're controlled by the Yetzirah. In the second half of life, he wasn't controlled by the Yetzirah. Therefore, in the second half of his life, 
it must be that if he's if he was with Bacheva in the second half of his life, um, it wasn't a sin because he wasn't controlled by his Yitzhahara. Um Then the he continues by saying, "Vachazakta um, vahayita leish," that be strong and become a man. So I mentioned that this is a very similar language when uh, Moshe tells Yehoshua at the end of the Torah to be strong, to be the next leader. So too, um, you know, uh, King David is telling his son Shlomo to be strong. What does it mean to be a man? So perhaps it literally just means in age. Shlomo is a, a boy king. He's only 12 years old. He's not, he hasn't even had his bar mitzvah. So it's saying become a man when you are 13, when you have your bar mitzvah, you know, follow the mitzvot. Another interpretation of be a man is be willing to ask for advice, one of the commentaries talk about. Um, so then the Aftora continues by saying, safeguard the charge of Hashem, your God, to walk in his ways, observe his decrees, commands, ordinances, testimony. It's written in the Torah of Moshe um, so that you'll succeed in whatever you do and wherever you turn. So this is saying that basically, um, regardless of who you are, even if you're the king of all of Israel, as Shlomo Amelech, Nonetheless, you need to follow the Torah and you'll succeed. Um, why should you follow the Torah? So that Hashem will uphold his word he spoke, saying, If your children will watch their way to walk before me be'emet in truth, with all, heart, with all their heart, with all their soul, then no man will ever be cut off from upon the Kisei Yisrael, the throne of Israel. And basically the dynasty will remain intact. Um, so this is to say that again, regardless of what position you have, even if you're the king of all of Israel, you still are not above the law. You still have to follow the Torah. And in fact, we see that Shlomo Amelech himself thought that he was above the law. The Torah warns against having too many wives, having too many horses, having too much money. Nonetheless, uh, Shlomo Amelech did all those things and ultimately his kingdom and, and just basically all of Israel um, started to descend spiritually uh, with him thinking that he was above the law and not following the Torah. So um, definitely it was good words, good words of advice from his father, even though he didn't really take them to heart. Then it says, um, you know, the Torah continues sort of on a vengeful note, talking about Yoav, talking about Shimi. And what's interesting is we see in the Torah portion of Vayechi, that after Yaakov dies, after the, the dad dies, then all the sons are extremely worried and think that basically there's going to be this vengeful wrath that Yosef has been withholding because of his dad. But once his, dad's die, once his dad dies, then Yosef is going to be angry for, for, the sale of Yo, for, for his sale into slavery, and Yosef's going to punish the other brothers. And even though we see that's obviously not true, this idea basically of someone dying and then there being this power vacuum and jealousy and and um, and revenge, this whole idea is even hinted at in Parshat Vayachi, where the brothers are very worried after the death of their father that um, that Yosef's going to exact revenge for being sold to Egypt. Um, and and so we see kind of a similar language that King David is warning. Um, is, is telling King Shlomo, you know, the next king, King Shlomo, to exact revenge against Yoav and against Shimi. Why is this a Jewish concept? Perhaps because you might have thought that Yoav and Shimi, who were both real leaders in society, that they were above the law. Nonetheless, it says even those leaders, even the people that are at the top of society, um, are not above the law. So to get down into the specifics, so um, so, Shlomo, so so King David warns King Shlomo that um, you know what Yoav, the son of Tzuriah, did to me, that he killed the two commanders of Israel, Ebner, um, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Yeter, 
Um, he killed them in, in peacetime, and uh, he put the, the blood of war on his loins and on his shoes. Um, and you should act according to your wisdom and not allow his white hair to go to the grave in peace. So as I mentioned, um, these two leaders, these two commanders of Israel, Ebner and Amasa, might have seemed like actually sort of threats to the Davidic dynasty, and that basically David sort of accepted um, Yoav's uh, murderous plot to kill, you know, mur- Yoav's murder of these two people. So uh, David's warning, really, I don't accept what, Yo- what Yoav did, uh, perhaps in my name, but I don't accept Yoav's violence. Um, and, and basically, why does he warn them in your, why does he say in your wisdom? Because execution would serve as atonement. So um, in Judaism, there's this general concept that if you're killed by Beitin, you're that, that sort of, um, that death is an atonement for your sin. So what King David is saying is don't allow this execution to atone for Yoav's sin because Yoav was cursed and that curse would end up transferring onto Shlomo if he got atonement. So Shlomo, he found a different crime um, so that he wouldn't, so that if he was killed, he wouldn't be atoned in the normal way. So Shlomo found a different crime, name, crime namely that, um, he, that, uh, that Yoav was part of the insurrection with Adonia against Shlomo to try to become the next king. Um, so, so basically, um, sh- however, Shlomo ended up including the sin of David in the, when, when, when Shlomo decided a king to kill, um, to kill uh, Yoav, he didn't kill him. He killed him for that other crime of the insurrection with Adonia, but he also added in the sin against David. So therefore, Shlomo, in the end, he ended up being cursed from um, from Yoav's curse because he did get because Yoav did end up getting some atonement for his um, for his uh, for his execution, and that's found in the in uh, Masechet Sanhedrin. So also, if he died a natural, if Yoav died a natural death, then his soul would be purified in Gehenim. And his crime would be atoned for, so he had to he had to die an unnatural death, namely um, an execution from Basin. Then it says the children of Barzillai, Barzillai the Giladi, uh, you should act with kindness toward him because he was among those um, because he was among those to eat at, at at my table, and he befriended me when I fled of Shalom, your brother. Um, so basically, the background is when of Shalom rebelled. Uh, which is one of the sons of of David, when Avshalom rebelled, Barzillai, he ignored the risk to himself and he fed King David. So King David felt such a sense of Akorasatov, such a sense of appreciation that King David invited him to his table. And King David saying, even after my death, you should still be very gracious, very appreciative of all of what Barzillai did and continue to provide for Barzillai even after I'm gone. Then it says, Imcha Shimi. So um, what does this mean? So Shimi was with you. Um, and as I mentioned, um, that Shimi was perhaps even the tutor, was the teacher of, of uh, Shlomo. However, he cursed uh, King David at Machanaim. Um, but when, when Shimi came down to at the, met King David at the Yardain, uh, King David swore to him that he wouldn't put him to death by sword. But you shouldn't hold him guiltless for this curse that Shimi put on King David. And um, he says, King David says, you're wise and you'll know what to do with him and you shouldn't let him, and you should bring his white hair to the grave in blood. So as I mentioned, Shimi was 
Shlomo's teacher, and David swore not to harm him, but I guess that, you know, that swearing not to harm him didn't really apply to his son. So his son could harm him, could punish him, and uh, basically if Shimi did something worthy of the death penalty, then you could kill him, even if it meant sort of tricking him uh, or entrapping him into the death penalty. So how did this work? So so, um, the commentaries say that if Shimi left the city, he'd be killed, and ended up that Shimi ended up, he did leave the city. He ended up leaving Jerusalem in order to hunt down two of his servants that had fled, um, and he was ultimately killed for leaving Jerusalem. Um, however, the commentaries say, you know, as I mentioned, Shimi was Shlomo's teacher. So whenever Shimi, as long as Shimi was alive, Shlomo was on the up and up. However, after Shimi's uh, execution, Shlomo, he started to spiritually slip. He married Paro's daughter, and eventually, as I mentioned, he didn't follow the Torah, and he married too many women, he was he got too many horses, too much money, and ended up falling, um, you know, spiritually falling, his entire kingdom started to fall, uh, basically, after the death of Shimi. So in a way, even though Shimi was wrong by cursing King David, once Shimi was killed, um, then nobody was there to really hold Shlomo accountable, and everything started to fall from there. The Torah ends by saying, David laid with his forefathers, and they were buried in the city of David. Um, and David reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned for seven. In Yerushalayim, for 33. So seven plus 33 is 40. He reigned for 40 years. And Shlomo, he sat on the throne of his father, um, King David, and his kingship was firmly established. So with that, I'll read my poem. David's life was ending, and Shlomo's reign began. Shlomo is told to be strong and become a man. Shlomo should rule with justice he discerns. If he walks in Hashem's ways, he'll succeed in wherever he turns. And with that, l'chaim l'chaim, and this has been the whole Torah.